Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Emmerick Erner, CEO and founder of Aurora Pulse. In this episode, we talked about the role of communities in customer attention and using social media as a channel for customer support. Emmerick also shared his learnings about churn and retention in his entrepreneurial career. He dived deep into past churn metrics, future goals, and how he plans to further tackle churn at Aurora Pulse. We also talked about how to design your product roadmap based on customer feedback and how you can package your product to appeal to new and different audiences. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Now enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Emmerich, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time coming. I've been really wanting to to get you on the show to chat. Uh, and so for the listeners, uh, Emmerich is the founder and CEO of Aurora Pulse. Uh, with Aurora Pulse, managing social media has never been easier. They allow you to schedule your content, get reports, and engage followers with one simple tool. Uh, they serve over 17,000 social media managers using their tool daily. And prior to Aurora Pulse, Emmerich is also the co-founder and CEO of Affinitas, the first modern social network SaaS platform that grew to over 400,000 users. So my first question for you, Emmerich, is what was it about social media and social networks that motivated you and excited you back then to get started in the space? And what is it about them today that continues to excite you? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I'm not sure the answer is what you're going to expect. Um, first of all, in 20 in 2000, July of 2000, when my co-founder and I started Affinities, which was our, our um, first business, it was not called social media. It was, it was called communities. And, and it was not SaaS. It, it was something else. I, I, don't, I don't even think there was a name for SaaS at the time, even though it was already SaaS. Um, what drove me to this at the time was a completely screwed up reason which is i had an id for something and ben my co-founder had had another id and i said the only way i can start a company because i needed a i needed a partner and um, uh, he was a web developer and definitely to build a web product you'd better partner with a web developer than another lawyer which yeah. is what i was at the time okay. <laughs> so i said well i have to deal with that we have to find a way so we combined our two ids and it became affinities at the time so my id was built around 
um, um, offering a way, a platform for alumni students to connect uh, with each other. And um, uh, the funny part is that's how Facebook got started in 2004. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Ben's idea was not so excited with my idea. And Ben's idea was to create a place where people could share their opinion on cultural goods like, you know, movies and, 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 and CDs at the time that there was no Spotify or electronic, you know, music on electronic format. Yeah. Uh, so CDs, albums, uh, movies, and books. And so we, built something that was a combination of the two and eventually became affinities that was a way to build your own social network for, for your friends, your family, your, your, your colleagues at work, uh, people you're doing nonprofit with, and uh, your, your ex-friends or your current friends from, from, from school and university. Very interesting. And like you say, at 2000, uh, the time back then, before anybody even knew what was going on, you already sort of had that uh, inkling and feeling that this was the way things were going. But what is it about them excites you then today? Um, well, that's interesting too. I'm, you know, I'm never, I've never, I, I started many businesses and uh, the, the topic or the thing that we were doing was never really what excited me. What excites me is building the company, is building the team, is building the, ex the excitement of the team for what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve. It's building a story. Um, it's building something for um, our, our prospects and clients that excites them, that, that they find useful. Being a social media management tool is just, it's just one thing that we found ourselves into, but you know, it was not really a choice in, in, in the beginning. We got there by chance. Well, as you know, Affinities was something to build your own community. So we tried to sell to people for a long time. You have to build your own community and you have to build your own um, uh, groups of you know, supporters and clients and customers and so on and so forth. And we did it for years and, and, and they didn't, didn't listen. And in 2009, 2010, Facebook and Twitter were becoming you know, more and more present. Uh, in, in the business's mind and, and they kept telling me who, who was trying to sell the stuff while Ben was trying to build it. They kept telling me, ah, oh, we don't want to build our own thing. We want to leverage what's already there on Facebook and the existing social network. So I said, you know, I came back to the office once and I said, Ben, we have to stop trying to sell them something they don't want to buy. We have to sell them what they want to buy and what they want to buy is something on Facebook. And that's how we got to, we got started on building on top of Facebook. And then we realized that building on top of Facebook was not enough because um, people wanted Twitter and then later on LinkedIn and Instagram and, you know, and the whole nine yards. And, and, and that's it. They're like, we, we basically followed what people wanted and, and got where we are today following Okay, let's build what they want. Okay, this is what they want and what makes sense for them on a daily basis. Let's build that. So I never woke up in, you know, one morning and say, oh my God, I want to do a social media management tool. I, yeah. You know, I'd be curious if someone did. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it basically came out of necessity, basically following the path of what do the people we are talking to want and what can we sell that they want to buy. And listening to your customers. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, no Elon Musk waking up in the morning. I want to solve the world problem of consuming consuming uh, oil and uh, fossil energies. I just yeah, never, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to. Yeah, that was not me. <laughs> not yeah. my story.
It is. It's very good as well that uh, you know what's here and what not. And like, I, I get it as well from perspective of really excitement being that building process of building the company and uh, creating something from nothing. It, it sometimes yeah. doesn't really necessarily mean what the idea is or what it's yeah. about. It's more that whole process totally. uh, leading up to the end. So uh, on the topic then of social media and uh, the show, uh, I'm interested to hear your, your opinion. And uh, do you think uh, social media plays a role in customer attention? Um, I, 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 Per se, technically, I don't think so. Uh, well, I don't think this is where you need to be obsessed um, to get better retention. I think building a community or communities around your product, your brand, definitely will help well, with acquisition and retention eventually. But it's not, it's not social media. It's building something or some things that are of interest for the persona or the target audience you're, you're trying to sell uh, something to. So let's, let, let's take an example. Uh, you guys at Hotjar, you're selling uh, different tools to, for example, to understand, for, for, for marketers to understand what their audience think about what they're selling, to understand what they're doing when they get on their website, um, what page they see, how far deep they go on that page, and so on and so forth. So you're talking to marketers and marketers specifically who are doing things on, on their website and trying to convert users and better understand their users. So if you build communities, and when, when we say communities that could have many, many forums, like it could be meetups, uh, masterminds, events, uh, big events, small events, uh, forums, a Slack channel, you know, a, 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 a podcast like this one, uh, expert interviews, like anything a community can be can be made of. If you do that, then you'll definitely increase the attraction of your brand or the attractiveness of your brand, because your target audience will who are marketers doing things on their website to attract to attract people and be more efficient in doing so. They will see that you care about their problems that you're trying to address and and find answers and find ways to for them to find answers to their problems. And beyond just your products, um, they will feel like this brand cares about me. So by doing that, which is basically by building a sense of community and belonging and, and, and the fact that your brand cares about that community, you're definitely increasing uh, retention. Is it yeah. like a direct effect? You know, I get it. I, if I get you as a Twitter follower, you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll be less likely to churn? No, definitely not. Yeah. But by doing, by building this sense of, of community and, 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 and um, making sure that people see you as a helpful partner and not just a vendor, you're definitely making a dent. Yeah, I think as well, it's probably one of the similar things to customer success in the sense that uh, it's very difficult to measure the immediate ROI of things like brand and customer success, but there are definitely some of the things that do play a big part in it. It's more just about how do you go about measuring that impact and uh, knowing if you're moving in the right direction, I guess. Um, so the next thing I wanted to ask as well, interesting, like uh, on the concept as well of like customer success and support is like social media, I think has also been used a lot as a support channel, um, for companies and for customers to reach out, to have that sort of direct communication line, uh, with their brands. How do you see it at Agora Pulse and, uh, is it just a marketing channel or should like brands and, uh, companies be thinking about it as a channel for support too? Yeah, well. Should company be thinking of that as a channel for support? Well, they don't have to. Users are already thinking for them. <laughs> um, 
the thing is, you know, some brands, for some brands, social media is, is the number one uh, channels, channel for support in some yeah. countries. For example, in Asia, uh, we, have, we have clients in Asia, especially in Thailand, um, where people just go on Facebook when they have a question. They don't, they don't even try to find your email. They go on Facebook and they, and, and they message you there or comment or whatever. So for these brands, it's just they have to react. You know, it's a reactive way. Like we have to deal with that. Like they have yeah. thousands of private messages coming to them every single day. So like we have one, one client that has 80 team members answering thousands of incoming messages on a daily 20, 24 seven. Um, we've, we've, you know, with people continually replacing, you know, doing the shifts and stuff. So it's crazy for them. Yeah. So they, they're just, it's not whether or not they should consider, to, they have to, it's there. It's, it's there, it's there and they have to deal with it. It's not everybody. Of course, um, there are countries where nobody goes on social media or fewer people. There are industries where very few people will, will think about social media. They will just phone or, you know, or email. Yeah. That, that's the reflex they will have. So normally you should know already if social media is, is a channel for support or not like you get no no request yeah or or some or a few or is is growing and is already big or, or is absolutely um uh, unavoidable for you so and then if it's big you, you need you need tools and that's that's where a tool like ours and others come into play because it, it's really messy to to do support and uh, directly on social media. Absolutely, um, but uh, I, I don't think this is something you control or you can impact. It's it's happening to you or it's not. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like your customer speaks for you, not the other way around. And uh, this is something I actually find quite frustrating from time to time as well as I've noticed myself like uh, sending a question here and there to to brands on social media, and then I get a response back. Please, can you send an email? Uh, to this address and it's sort of like I've asked you a question and now you're putting me through an extra hoop to try and get to the answer as opposed to just serving me there probably spent you the same amount of time to uh, copy and paste that is it would have given me the answer right then and there so Mm. having a tool and service like Aurora Pulse I think definitely would help a lot of these brands cool so next thing I want to talk a little bit about is uh, your journey when it comes to channel retention and um sort of, uh, you've been going for quite a while now uh, in the SMB space. So I think uh, like most people in the SMB space, they'll know and understand that churn and retention uh, tends to be quite a bit of a bigger challenge uh, for most companies. How have you found it at Aurora Pulse? And maybe what has been one of the biggest learnings for you over the years? Um, Well, number one, you're always learning about churn and retention. I think that journey never stops. Number two, we are in the self-service um, and, and, you know, I'd say low end of the market type of product because our average revenue per account is 135 euros, which is very cheap if you compare to large enterprise software that are selling for several thousand uh, euros a month. Yeah, uh, sometimes more. So when you, when you, when you talk about churn, there's, there's definitely two worlds. Uh, there is the world of enterprise where churn should be net negative. I mean, net MR, churn should be net negative. Uh, we, you actually talk about net dollar retention, um, not churn. <laughs> you know, how much are you, how, how much are you improving? How, 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 when, you get, when you lend a client, how, what percentage of more revenue you're going to get from that client a year from now? That's the question an, an enterprise software is asked, and, and they should say, 
30%. That's the answer that's expected, or between 20 and 30%. And then you have the low end of the market, which is companies targeting SMBs. Um, you guys at Hojar, you're, you're in, that, in that bucket. We are too. Uh, 135 uh, RPA or RPU. You're definitely in that low end of the market. Yeah. And net, you know, um, negative net MR churn is really, really hard to, to get to. I mean, it's super hard. Yeah. But at the same time, you cannot grow very far if your net MR churn is too high. So just to give you the numbers, um, we used to be, we started Agora Pulse as a Facebook contest uh, platform. So we were doing already a little bit of publishing and, and engagement, monitoring, and, and a little bit of reporting, but it was Facebook only. And the one thing we were known for and were really good at were Facebook contests and promotion. And those were horrible when it came to churn. I think our net MR churn monthly was 20%. <laughs> yeah. When I think about it today, I have goosebumps. Like, oh my God, 20%. That's really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, that led our decisions over the years to move from that to a full-blown daily social media management tool because we said, we looked at that, we saw that, and we thought, we're never going to grow. Yeah. yeah, there's no business there. It, it will never work. And, and funny enough, look, look at today, look at the market today. There's no more Facebook contest and promotion companies. None, like not a single one has yeah. survived in that state. So uh, we moved to the um, uh, social media management by adding other social networks and adding the monitoring and the listening and the reporting and all the other stuff and the publishing, all the other stuff that, that people expect from a good social media management tool. Being bootstrapped took us years, but it eventually worked, worked out for us. And we got, we got that net MR churned down to today around 2.5%, 2.5-ish. So, you know, some months are 2.67, some months are 2.2, 2.3. Yeah. So we're around 2.5 on average, um, which is much better than 20, Absolutely. which is much better than four, which we were a year ago at. Uh, so we're, every year we're, we're making progress, but every year that progress, the, 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 the breadth of the progress is diminishing because, you know, we were able to move from... Um, uh, no, we were at three a year ago. We were able to move from four to three in, 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 in 18. Uh, and we were only able to move from three to 2.5 or six in, in 19. And I think we moved from 5.5 to four in 17 and so on and so forth. So the more you progress, the, the harder it becomes because the more... Diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah, diminishing returns. But it's, uh, that's interesting. The growth churn, which, which excludes um, expansion, uh, revenue expansion yeah it was at i think it was at five a year ago around five and it's around four uh right now so we we have a little bit of expansion to make up for that gross churn that takes us from four to 2.5 um our goal is to get to zero i i i don't have the goal to get to net negative i think net negative is crazy hard for an smb um uh, play um yeah but I do think that we can get to zero or very close to zero. And when you look at um, projection of your revenue, let's say you project to have 300 new clients per month at 150 um, ARPA, for example, 
forever. Like, you know, no improvement there, never. Yeah. And you put a 3% churn on top of that or a 0.5% churn on top of that. And you look at where you'll be in five years. The difference is crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's amazingly different. Like the, you have two different businesses. You have an okay, sort of okay business there on, on, the, on the right. And you have an amazing business on the left. And it's just going from 3 to, to 0 0.5. So our goal is to get to as close as possible to zero. And we know for a fact that there is no way on earth that we get, we'll get gross, uh, gross churn close to zero. There's no way. It's impossible yeah. in the SMB sector. Um, just, just the nature give, of the business as well. It's the nature of the business. Like, and it's the nature of a self-service cheap product. I mean, cheap. I don't like the word cheap because it makes you feel or people feel that what you, what you do is cheap, which is not the case, but affordable product. So if your product is affordable, like, like let's say it's 49 bucks or 60 bucks or even 99 bucks, it's affordable. Any decent business can put 99 bucks on something to, to, to see what it looks like. Yeah. Um, if it's affordable and it's very easy to get in, you know, you can just put your credit card, get a free trial, put your credit card and see how it goes. You'll have a lot of people who come in who are not good fits. There's no way you can control that or, or, or prevent yeah. that. That will happen. And those people say, eh, yeah, I'm not so excited. That's eh, not really what I wanted. Not really what I thought. I'm not sure. Well, let's do something else. And those people will come and go. So that is absolutely unavoidable. And if you do monthly contracts, you'll have more churn than if it's annual. I mean, look at the, the enterprise software. It's um, you know, annual, biannual, yeah, biannual, yeah. like three years contract. It's crazy. Of course, they have good retention. Yeah. Um, so for us, it's impossible. But what you can do and you should do is expand. So you should, you have people who will leave no matter what you do. And you'll have people who will stay um, because, because you've built an amazing product. You've built an amazing customer support and customer success team. You've built an amazing community to help um, professionals who are that target audience. And they know that and they appreciate you for that. And you build a brand and you build a bond with them. And you've done all these amazing things. So those people are going to stay. If you don't take, if you cannot find a way to take more money from these people, then you'll be stuck with your 2.5 or whatever, 2% net MR churn, yeah. uh, if, you, if you're good. Um, but if you find ways to sell more, like, oh, you know, you're, you're let's say, Hajar uh, sells ways for marketers to optimize the, their website so it converts, you know, more people better, more efficiently. Um, and let's say those people also need um, uh, marketing automation, simple marketing automation tool for their blog or their content or whatever and you offer that on top of a hot jar like suddenly you have a hot jar at 99 bucks a month for whatever traffic you have but you can also buy uh hot jar automation for 49 bucks or 79 bucks and 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 your your audience is interested by that and you sell that 79 bucks to 50 percent of your audience eventually so yeah. you're increasing your arpa to your already existing good clients by 40 bucks and that's that's getting your revenue expansion to a point where you can get to zero um, net MR churn or even negative if you're, if you're really, really good and you do that with several different products. So that's the path we're taking. We know the core social media management product will always have gross MR churn. So our, all, my ultimate goal, just to be completely transparent with you, is to get to 3%. So 3% gross MR churn, that's my ultimate goal. And to compensate for that, um, uh, we are building on modules and add-ons that will help us cross-sell useful features that are, that are not 
the core social media management product. They're on top of it. There are features that the competition doesn't offer in their product. They're, they're coming on top of what we all do when we sell social media management projects, uh, products. Yeah. And people will want to buy them because it's additional value. It's not, it's not expected that they should be included in that existing plan. They should, it, it makes sense that they are offered on top of it. So that's, that's the plan. That's how I want to get to 0.5 or less. Interesting. I think it was actually David Scott as well on the show who mentioned this at HubSpot was sort of a light bulb moment when they realized the power of the upsell and uh, net negative churn, uh, what sort of how powerful the business model was uh, when it came to SaaS. Uh, and like expansion in their case as well was a very, very heavy driver for getting them to, to that point. Um, so what is sort of the motivation or the ideas when it comes to expansion? Like how are you going about thinking about what to build and how to package products? Because uh, I don't think it's an easy task as well, just to come up with uh, new products to start selling to your customers. Uh, how have you gone about this process? How did you decide what to build first and how to package it? Wow. Well, number one, it's not easy. <laughs> if it was, if it was, everybody would, do, would yeah. be doing it. Um, Number two, there, you know, we live in a world of chaos and competition. That's true, but we also live in a world of opportunities. I mean, when you look at how our markets are evolving and our, the needs of our clients and, and how they're served is changing every six months, there, is a new, there are new opportunities all the time. And, and you can find ways to help your clients with something else that's very connected to what you already sell them, but that's not well addressed as of today. And if you ask them and you ask enough of them, they will tell you, oh, this would be cool, this would be great. And then you, you can start identifying patterns like oh, a lot of people have a problem with that and they don't have an easy solution and none of our competitors do that. So we could build a solution to that problem that's, that's very related why they're using us but it's not why they're using us but it's connected to it and um and um they would totally understand that our core product is 149 and we would sell that additional solution to their existing problem at 49 or 69 whatever and they would totally understand that and and then you do customer discovery and you ask them and you, well if we were to sell a solution to that problem that you told us you have and we were to price it at that um would it would it be would it be okay for you like you know would it be would you be okay to would you see the value there and and then you can validate that the pricing you're thinking about and uh, the, the solution you're proposing is worth what you want to sell to sell it to them and it's a long process it's a it's a long process of customer discovery it's a long process of gathering feedback gathering ids looking at the competition looking at some people, what some people are doing when they build just one feature and they're successful at that feature and say, why are they successful at that feature? We should embed that feature within a product. Or should we embed that feature within our product? Or should we, should we build that feature as an add-on to our product? Oh yeah, maybe that makes more sense. So, and that's how you start, you know, strategizing about what you should build and how it should complement the product, but be on the side of the product, not inside the product. Not inside, yeah. So, yeah, uh, just to give you one example of things, so ex a couple of examples of things. Yeah. Um, there has been an entire market of um, social media tools vendors who base their product on an easy way to get your the content you want to you need to create for your clients as a social media agency, an easy way to get that content approved by your client. 
I think, if I'm not mistaken, there are five tools who built their business model just on that. Five tools are, you know, were created with a promise to make content approval easier between an agency that creates the content and the client for whom the, client, the content is created. It's um, Gain App, um, Hey Orca, Contentino, Content Cal, and, and Loomly, I think. Like it's five. Can you believe that? Five companies were created Just to create a sub problem to the social media management problem. So when you see that, you say, okay, there's, there's something here. It's, it's a niche market. I don't want to be one of those five companies because I think the market is too small eventually. But that's, we can definitely build something like that and, add, and, and sell it as an add-on because these companies sell it as a full product. Yeah. So that's, that's one ID, for example. Um, there are also a bunch of companies who are selling employee advocacy tools, which is not social media management, but very connected to it. So we could build an add-on for employee advocacy, you know, a simple add-on, say, you know, you, you, need, you want to do simple and efficient employee advocacy campaign for your, for your business or your brand, you know, here's the add-on you can buy. Uh, from Agorapulse. We also identify that a lot of people had issues with their uh, Facebook ads reporting, like they were not happy with the tools that they had uh, or the native tools. So this, this is also an ID. Um, we, we noticed that a lot of people have needs for uh, content inspiration, content collaboration. So like we could build a you know, content library or a content building module so to help marketers and social media managers to co-create the best possible content that doesn't exist as of today and it would totally be on top of a publisher a social media publisher for example so there are a bunch of ideas we're all eva evaluating them at the end of the day the, the, we make the choice based on what our existing clients and our existing audience needs because we're not going to use these to get new clients and new audience even though it may help us convert more but um, it's definitely to get more um, leverage and revenue from, from the existing audience, the existing clients that we have. Yeah, super interesting. I also actually listened to a very interesting episode with Patrick uh, from Price Intelligently and Girish from Freshdesk um, of how they also went in about building their business in terms of expansion revenues, building add-on products. But the way they took it was uh, currently, I think they started Freshdesk, which was a sales tool. And then they looked at their tool and they said, wait a second, like if we just package this slightly differently, we could sell the exact same tool to a development team uh, that's working with it and call it a kind of fresh dev or whatever it is. Um, and that's sort of how they went about the first few products was really just taking what they originally had, uh, added a couple of like small features here and then just sold to a different audience within the same company um, and were able to get more people. So like I think in like uh, Aurora Pulse's case, you have obviously the social media managers using the tool, but then is there anyone else within an organization that could find what you have as a service, as a product, uh, as an interesting angle as well, like potentially like we discussed as well, like support uh, being one of those. And uh, just very interesting how companies think about uh, expansion and what to build. There was also actually, like you reminded me as well of some research we did uh, at Hotjar with Price Intelligently. Um, and uh, I can't remember the exact uh, diagram that was put together, but essentially what we did was did a panel study, um, like mentioning various different features and different products that were related, but just outside of uh, Hotjar's like, product itself. Um, and really was for us, we were doing sort of a, pro a product roadmap um, 
a study just to try and understand like what are going to be the highest priorities and what ended up coming out of it was a section of this report was an add-on section where it was essentially the way they phrased it was customers who or uh, potential customers who were interested in the product they were willing to pay a lot but it wasn't the core group of customers so there was enough customers to consider it to be calling it an add-on and they're willing to pay and spend enough for it but it wasn't all of the customer base that it should be part of the core product um, which is also a nice interesting way I think of sort of um, looking at what to build next and trying to decide like is this part of our core product or is this an add-on uh, and absolutely. using sort of that willingness to pay data I think is, is an interesting space yeah yeah absolutely if everybody wants it, it should be part of the core product and, and it, it, you should use your different plans to say, okay, it's part of the core product, but it's only available at 199 and not at 49 for example. Yeah. But if, it's, if a subset of people want it uh, for a very specific reason, it's just like, for example, for us, content approval workflow would only be for agencies. Agencies are 25% of our clients. So it's an important between 25 and 30. So it's an important sub-segment of our clients but it will never be everybody, so we shouldn't give that to everybody because seventy percent will will not care. <laughs> okay, yeah. so makes a lot of sense. So expansion then definitely being a big component of that. You mentioned as well trying to get growth down, and uh, expansion is not going to come into that. What are some of the things that you've tried or you're thinking about uh, looking at when it comes to trying to reduce that growth churn? The only thing I don't there, there there are not that many other things that you can do uh, to reduce gross churn. Well, number one, you build a great product, and that's that's a never never ending endeavor. Um, and number two, you make sure that your customer support is amazingly helpful and reactive. Uh, that's also a never ending endeavor. And number three, you build a customer success practice and. Um, We've we've started the customer success team in 2019, so that was that's that's very recent, very new for us. And obviously, our goal for um, uh, 2020 is to reinforce our customer success initiatives by you know be be very targeted about what we wanted to achieve. So, for example, one of the things we want to achieve in 2020 is to get uh, a better renewal rate for our annual plan. So, people who who subscribe to an annual plan, we we want our customer success people to focus on them to just make sure that they will see enough value during that that first year to to renew at a better rate i don't i don't have the rate in mind right now but let's say it's 25 percent uh churn after one year yeah um we'd like you know we'd like to reduce it to 20 percent, for example like you know i'm not going for crazy numbers but if we can't reduce that from 25 to 20 percent it's a huge gain already Absolutely. and uh, that's the kind of thing we're well, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing we're going after, like making sure that we're giving them the right training, the right coaching. We're here to listen to their needs and make sure that we can, if we have a way to answer those needs, we, we show them how to do it. Yeah. And that's that takes time. It's human touch. So it's also only for larger clients. We don't do that for clients who are only paying 99 on a monthly plan because it's not worth it for us yeah. at this point. And I like as well that you mentioned sort of support being a key pivotal point. I think a lot of people sort of think of support as a reactive process a lot of the time as well. Um, but it can also be a really proactive uh, component as well when it comes to tackling churn. Uh, and similar to sort of, uh, this is something actually someone from our team at Hotjar tried to, was trying to introduce now with us, is the idea of like having this uh, mindset of proactive support. So somebody might come to us with a ticket and they have a problem. And the support team will realize that they haven't tried to use a tool or service 
Um, and then uh, this was actually Diana who introduced it. Um, and then the, the support team would then try and say, hey, but you haven't used polls and say, like share an article with them or post because it's just another opportunity. It's another touch point you have with your customers. But too often these touch points are lost opportunities. It's just sort of serve the customer into the next one. But if you think support is sort of a growth channel and is a channel to engage and sort of educate your customers, it can also be a super powerful uh, tool for you. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because we, 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 we've had, I, I think we still have, but I'm not sure where it is, but we've had a, an initiative called Support Plus Plus within the company. And it's, it was exactly this. It was, you know, Support Plus, like, i.e., you've, you've had the, that conversation about a question or a technical issue or something. Once it's solved, and that was the prerequisite, it has to, you have to solve the problem first or answer the question first. But once you've done that, then try to go understand what the client is using, not using, and try to find a way to help them beyond the mere question that they, come, they came to you with. And that was exactly the same, uh, the same mindset. Let's see what, what more we can do when we do support because we, we have that conversation. Uh, we have the, um, the attention of the client, the customer at that very moment. Let's use it <laughs> because it's hard to get their attention otherwise. Yeah, and you're turning something as well that might have been a negative experience into a really positive one if you're able to teach them or show them something new that they didn't know that they could actually now achieve that they couldn't before. Cool. So uh, last question that I ask everybody on the show um, is let's imagine something strange happens and you decide to join a new company. Um, at this new company, churn and retention is, is not great at all. And uh, you've been tasked to try and turn things around for this company. Uh, they've given you three months, 90 days to show some results. What would be some of the first things you'd want to be doing in those first 90 days? Um, well, I will tell them that I cannot be responsible for something I don't understand. And they cannot help me hold me responsible for something they don't give me uh, an in insights about. So step one is, do you know why people are leaving? If you don't, then there's nothing else you should be doing than understand why they're leaving. And the only way to do that is to have, um, you know, off-boarding questionnaire when people want to cancel. They have to tell you why they want to cancel. And we've, we've, we've built many, and now we have one that works pretty well. It's never perfect, but it's much better than nothing. So you understand at scale why people are leaving your product and why they're... they're um, uh, moving on to something else yeah. um, and if you you know if you don't even have time for this well you have to try to talk to people who have churned and trust me this is beyond hard because once they're gone they're gone they don't want to talk to you anymore so you, you know, have to ask for a budget for Amazon gift card and I'll give you 50 bucks on Amazon gift cards if you talk to me and tell me why you left so something like that but that's step one as long as you as, as long as you don't know that it's Anything you would do will be, will be worthless. Um, and then once you have that, you have to distinguish between the churn you cannot avoid and the one you can avoid. The churn you cannot avoid, let me give you an example. We, the, that's what we identified when we had the exit questionnaire is that, for example, for example, the social media agency that has lost the one client they subscribe to our product for. And we call that um, client lost. And if they lost their client, they don't need your tool anymore because they don't have any more work. You can't yeah. do anything about that. There's nothing you can do to avoid that client to be in a position to have to cancel the plan with you. 
So that is the unavoidable churn. That you have to put in bucket one. And you have to put the avoidable churn in bucket two and look at the percentage of your churn and see how consistent it is over the month. And then decide, okay, there is X percent that we cannot do anything about. That's it. You know, let's not, let's not obsess about this. Acknowledge it. But yeah, this is the, the threshold. Like we can go beyond that. That's why my, my goal for um, gross churn is around 3%. Uh, and then there's all that stuff we can fix. We're never going to fix all of it. There will always be good reason for them to leave us. But let's look at the low-hanging fruits and let's start with them. So that's, that's exactly what we've done. And, and that's what we keep doing every day, every month. And that's the strategy and the tactic I would, I would, I would tell them. And really understand where you stand. Your SMB, your sales service, okay, this is the, what the number should be. Uh, your enterprise, this is what the number should be. And if your sales service and SMB and you're at 6% net MR churn, I will tell you this is not good. You have a problem. You have to figure out what it is. You also, you also have to be mindful of what is the normal churn for the business I'm in. When I, remember when I was in the Facebook contest and promotion, the churn was high and there was a reason for it to be high because people yeah. came with us for a month or two and then left. And it was normal. It was not my fault. It was the fault of the business I chose. So mm -hmm. in, when you, if you're in that place, what you need to do is change your business. <laughs> no, really. I mean, they, they, you can't yeah. fix it. So you have to, you have to twist or pivot or whatever, but make it make go to a different um, uh, business. Propose something that's valuable all year long and not just one one month or two. So, you know, there are very very different things I would tell to someone who asked me that question. But those are the basics I would start with. Yes, I like as well how you've sort of classified. Uh, unavoidable churn as well and to give you an idea of the benchmarks that you should be shooting for uh, because potentially if you have a large percentage of your audience that's churning and it's unavoidable it's out of your control uh, a you either need to uh, find a new business like you said or b just accept and acknowledge that that's something you're not going to be able to fix and really focus on the problems and challenges that you can fix yeah absolutely so, uh, Emmerich, uh, thanks so much for joining the show today. It's been really, really great uh, having you. Is there anything you want to leave the audience with before we go? How can they keep up to speed with what you're working on? Anything they should be checking out or looking out for? Um, yeah. Don't look at churn as something you need to fix. Uh, churn itself is a symptom. It's a consequence. It's not the problem, right? Yeah. So when, when people tell you, you need, we need to fix churn, you know, flee away because <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> I, I remember a friend of mine who was hired at a company and they, they told him, your, your churn is your metric. You're responsible about retention and churn. And, and gosh, I mean, churn is everybody's problem. It's, yeah. it's a product's problem. It's support's problem. It's, it's strategy, CEO, whatever. So, you know, no one can be responsible for retention and churn. Someone can be in the middle and coordinate the different departments that can impact churn. But, um, you know, the decision to go expansion revenue and build additional modules, it's a strategic decision that, that is being, that's going to be carried on by the product team mostly. So it cannot be the customer success team responsibility, for example. It, yeah. That's, that's, that's the message. Like, you know, you can't fix churn. You can't fix everything that's, generating the churn but it will be eventually a product problem a strategy problem a support problem um and, that, you know, and that's it so yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely 100 percent agree with you this comes up quite a bit as well on the show is like I who know. owns who owns churn uh, so ah. 
it's such a nuanced problem like it's impacted by so many different factors and ways so it just really needs to be everybody thinking about it all the time yeah. um so yeah thanks so much for joining today Merrick. like really really appreciate it uh, wish you best of luck now going forward my pleasure thank you for having me today and have a good one talk to you soon cheers cheers And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.